Warning, this video contains depictions of graphic violence. Viewer discretion is advised. Samuel Little died on December 30th, 2020, at the age of 80 years old in California. There wasn't a specific cause of death attributed to Samuel, but he was very old, suffering from diabetes and heart problems. What's significant about Samuel Little, however, was not how long he lived, but how many lives he took away over the course of his own. Samuel Little is believed to have murdered 93-plus women over the span of several decades. The FBI has linked him to over 60 murders and has confirmed his involvement in at least 50. This means Samuel killed more people than Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer combined. It also means that Samuel Little is the worst serial killer in U.S. history. Not much is known about Samuel Little's early life. He was born in Reynolds, Georgia on June 7, 1940. He claimed that his mother was a prostitute, and authorities believe she may have given birth to him while she was in jail. At an early age, his family moved to Lorraine, Ohio, where his grandmother began raising him. Samuel attended Hawthorne Junior High School, where he had disciplinary problems and trouble with authority. In February of 1954, Samuel was committed to the Boys Industrial School near Columbus, Ohio, for stealing a bike. This reformatory school couldn't reform Samuel, however, because he left a year and a half later with 47 disciplinary infractions. In 1956, at the age of 16, he committed his first real crime of many. In Omaha, Nebraska, Samuel was charged for breaking and entering and burglary. After his conviction, he was held in an institution for juvenile offenders. In 1961, Samuel Little broke into a Lorraine furniture store and was sentenced to three years in prison. 1966 is the year Samuel Little shows violence against a woman for the first time, at least on the record, because there's a high possibility Samuel was assaulting women way before this. He was arrested in Cleveland, Ohio for assault and battery after he beat a woman. In Samuel's late 20s, he moved to Florida to live with his mother. He began working numerous jobs, including at a cemetery and by his own account as an ambulance attendant. This is also where Samuel Little would kill his first victim, 33-year-old Mary Brosley. Samuel picked up Mary from a bar in North Miami Beach on New Year's Eve in 1970. What Mary saw was a charming man with crystal blue eyes. What Samuel saw was a chance to prey on an innocent woman. He and Mary shared a drink at the bar, and Mary confined in him that she had left her family in Massachusetts after they had confronted her about her drinking problem. Mary had been reported missing from there in June of that year. Samuel's ears probably perked up at this. It was a lone woman who had only been in Florida half the year. She had no family in town, and likely very few friends. If Mary were to go missing here, he knew the police would likely reach many dead ends. It was New Year's Eve, and even the witnesses at the bar seeing Sam leave with Mary would likely be too drunk to even remember. This was Samuel's perfect opportunity to kill, and he jumped at it. After the New Year had finally come, Samuel and Mary left the bar. They drove towards the Everglades on US-27 and stopped in a secluded area. 
Detectives that covered Mary's case said that Mary climbed into Samuel's lap and began to play with the chain he wore around his neck. That's when he suddenly strangled Mary to death and buried her body in a shallow grave. Mary's body was found 23 days later, and to Samuel's advantage, they were unable to identify her remains. Mary's cause of death was listed as unclassified, but her autopsy report was filed again in 1982 and deemed as a homicide. Mary's body wasn't even identified until 2017, when dental records were used by the medical examiner's office. In 1971, Samuel Little was charged with armed robbery in Cleveland, Ohio. While awaiting his trial, he was charged with sodomy. Shockingly, he was found not guilty of the robbery charge and never even tried for the sodomy charge. 1972 is the year that Samuel met his partner in crime, Aurelia Jean Dorsey. Jean was 30 years older than Sam and remained his girlfriend for 16 years. The two were travel companions and drifted through the South and Midwest together. They supported themselves by shoplifting, burglary, and fencing stolen goods. Jean Dorsey eventually died of a brain hemorrhage in 1988. Having a female companion, though, during that decade didn't stop Samuel from killing other women. He confessed to committing several murders during that time, and most of those victims remain unknown to authorities. When Samuel decided to live a more nomadic lifestyle, the list of run-ins he had with the law grew exponentially. Throughout the span of 1957 to 1975, Samuel Little had been arrested over 26 times across 11 different states. Those states included Ohio, Maryland, Florida, Massachusetts, California, Oregon, Philadelphia, New Jersey, Arizona, Illinois, and Georgia. His crimes included fraud, driving under the influence, armed robbery, drug possession, assault, solicitation of a prostitute, assault on a police officer, theft, and rape. While serving prison time for these convictions, only a total of 10 years, Samuel claimed he picked up boxing. He also claimed he was on his way to pursue a prize-fighting boxing career. But this career would never happen. If there was a title Samuel Little was fighting for, it would be the most prolific serial killer in American history. In September of 1976, Samuel was arrested for an attempted ravish rape just outside of St. Louis, Missouri. The victim told authorities that Sam used an electrical cord to choke her from behind. He forced the victim into his car, beat her unconscious, and drove to a secluded location where he then raped her. This is a trend that continued in Samuel's killings. He would rape, beat, and strangle his victims to death. This victim was only lucky enough to escape with her life. The victim's story could have sent Sam to prison for a long time, stopping the deaths of many more women. However, this act of violence in the eyes of the justice system at the time only called for a measly three months in county jail. So how was Samuel Little able to continue his murdering spree for so long? After all, he had been arrested 26 times. There's no way that the police didn't have him on their radar. One could argue that science hadn't advanced enough to link him to the crimes through DNA evidence, and that's true. 
However, it was more than a lack of evidence that allowed Samuel Little to continue his cold-blooded massacre. It was also the lack of empathy for the people's lives that Samuel destroyed. LAPD homicide detective Mitzi Roberts was one of those individuals who caught Samuel. She was proud of this accomplishment, and because she suspected him to be involved in many more killings, she thought more cases could be solved. She had the impression that police departments would start connecting Samuel to their unsolved cases. However, to her disappointment, that's not what happened. The sad fact of the matter is, Samuel Little preyed on the less dead, as Detective Roberts called it. He knew that if he killed marginalized individuals, specifically black sex workers and drug users, their cases would not be thoroughly investigated. Samuel Little could have just as easily killed any kind of person he got his hands on, but he knew how the justice system worked. He saw its many flaws, and he took advantage of it in the worst ways. There's no denying the fact that Samuel Little's crime spree could have been stopped many times. The most shocking of circumstances happened during the 1980s. In November of 1982, Samuel Little was arrested for shoplifting in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Police then realized he matched the description of the suspect in the murder of Melinda Rose Laprie. He was arrested in Mississippi and charged with the 22-year-old's murder. Witnesses, who were all sex workers at the time, testified that Samuel had been seen with the victim right before her murder. They also testified that Samuel was a violent man who assaulted them with the same methods he assaulted the victim with. When the case was brought to a grand jury, there wasn't enough evidence against Sam, so they declined to indict him. This is just one of the many cases Samuel was able to crawl out of completely unscathed by the justice system. While Samuel was still under investigation for Melinda Lepre's murder, he was transferred to Florida to stand trial for the murder of another woman. According to one witness, Sam met 26-year-old Patricia Ann Mount, a mentally disabled woman, at a bar the night she disappeared. Her bruised, battered, and naked body was found in a field. Patricia Mount had been beaten, raped, and murdered by Samuel Little, but the jury didn't trust the witness testimonies. The jury only deliberated for less than half an hour, and Samuel was acquitted. In August of 1982, the body of 20-year-old Rosie Hill was discovered next to a pig pen in Marion County, Florida. Rosie had been strangled, or suffocated, to death. Samuel Little was questioned by investigators at the time, but they didn't have enough evidence to charge him. Samuel eventually confessed to Rosie's murder and dumping her body, but it was decades after he committed the crime. During the interrogation, Samuel told the detective that Rosie was, quote, a big fighter, but I won the fight. Minnie Hill, Rosie's mother, was interviewed on October 10th, 2019, in her Memphis, Tennessee home about the murder of her daughter. She told the Associated Press that Samuel Little, quote, was nothing but the devil. Minnie, who was 79 at the time of the interview, has found it in her heart to forgive Samuel Little. She said, quote, I have to, for God to forgive me, because I do wrong, and God forgives me. Rosie Hill grew up in the Memphis area and became pregnant in high school. She moved to Florida to live with her grandparents and gave birth to a baby girl. Later, she moved to Akala, where she lived the remainder of her life. 
On August 8, 1982, Rosie called her mother Minnie. She said, quote, Mother, I'm up to something, but I can't get out of it unless I leave from here, so I'll be home on the weekend. This would be frightening for any mother to hear, but tensions grew worse when Rosie didn't show up like she said she would. On August 12th, Rosie was reported missing, and Minnie and her husband went down to Florida. However, no one knew anything, and Minnie reached a dead end just like detectives. Minnie had trouble sleeping after that. She would lunge for the phone every time it rung, hoping to hear the voice of her daughter Rosie. Just two years later, Minnie received a phone call, but it wasn't Rosie's voice on the other end. It was the morgue. Minnie had her doubts about identifying her daughter, though, because the body was decomposed to just bones and hair. Minnie knows today that her daughter's life was taken by Samuel Little. She can't help but wonder, however, about Samuel being caught sooner. She said, quote, Maybe somebody's life would have been saved. In October of 1984, Samuel Little made his way to San Diego, California, and assaulted two women. San Diego police found a woman unconscious and bleeding in Samuel's car. He was arrested and charged for the assault, and the assault that had occurred a month before. Sam was tried for attempted murder in both cases, but the jury deadlocked. A deadlocked jury, or hung jury, is a jury that cannot agree upon a verdict after extended deliberation and are unable to reach the required supermajority decision. Samuel pled guilty to assault and false imprisonment and only served two and a half years of his four-year sentence. On February 1st, 1987, Samuel Little was released from prison yet again. He was paroled and moved to Los Angeles, California. Shortly after his release, 41-year-old Carol Alford was found dead in a South LA alleyway on July 13, 1987. From the waist down, she was naked, wearing only a single sock. Drag marks near Carol's body indicated to investigators that she had been murdered somewhere else and then dumped in that location. Carol's official cause of death was asphyxia through manual strangulation, but she suffered through a horrendous beating as well. She had bruises covering her jawline, hemorrhages in and around her eyes, and scratches and abrasions to her neck. The autopsy also revealed hemorrhaging to her voice box and hyoid bone, the U-shaped bone at the base of the tongue, which aids swallowing. Carol Alford's death wasn't linked to Samuel Little until 2012, when her sexual assault kit and clothing were tested for Sam's DNA. The semen found on Carol's shirt and bra was a match for Samuel Little. After Carol Alford's murder, Samuel Little confessed that he would go on to commit nine more killings in his lifetime. On August 14, 1989, LA police officers responded to a call about a homicide in a parking lot behind a nightclub and restaurant on East 7th Street. Inside a dumpster, they found the body of Audrey Nelson. Audrey was naked from the waist down, and her sweatshirt was pulled up around her shoulders. There was dirt on her back, as well as drag marks on her upper shoulder. Like Carol Alford, Audrey Nelson had been murdered elsewhere and then dumped in a different location. The medical examiner, Dr. Carpenter, concluded that Audrey's cause of death was strangulation by the killer's bare hands. Audrey had significant bruising to her neck, fractures to her thyroid cartilage and hyoid bone, and severe hemorrhaging to the throat muscles. Before her death, she suffered blunt force trauma consistent with being punched repeatedly in the head. In addition to these injuries, the hard bone of Audrey's spine had been crushed during a blow to her upper central abdomen. When Dr. Carpenter testified at Samuel Little's trial, he claimed, quote, 
These signs of force are the greatest that I have seen in a 27-year practice in a county that has its share of strangulation cases. Samuel Little was linked to Audrey Nelson's murder in 2012 when DNA under her fingernail was matched to Samuel. In court, Sherry Nelson, the sister of Audrey, said that Audrey was a rebel and a hard soul. Audrey had studied cosmetology before she left home at 19. She then moved to New York and was forced into prostitution. There, Audrey suffered horrible burns in an apartment fire. Eventually, she moved back to LA to get back on track with her life. Audrey's daughter, Pearl Nelson, was there being raised by her parents. Pearl gave a statement in court saying, quote, The reason my mom was in Los Angeles in the first place is because she had gotten her life back on track and was on her way to reunite with me. Samuel Little consistently used drugs to lure in his victims. Audrey Nelson and Carol Alford both had cocaine in their systems at the time of their death. A month later, on September 3rd, 1989, L.A. police officers responded to a homicide at an abandoned auto repair shop at South Ascot Avenue. The victim was 46-year-old Guadalupe Apodica. She was naked from the waist down and was covered in bruises on her neck. The medical examiner determined that Guadalupe died of manual strangulation, and her injuries were consistent with significant pressure being applied to her neck. Guadalupe had suffered bruising on her tongue from biting down on it during a seizure during her strangulation. The examiner, Christopher Rogers, also reviewed the autopsy reports of Audrey Nelson and Carol Alford and noted many similarities. He recalled, In each case, the deceased person was a woman of a particular age, between 35 and 46. They had all been strangled manually. They all had blunt trauma in addition to the strangulation. Each of them were nude from the waist down when they were originally found. The deceased were all found in South Central Los Angeles, and they all had cocaine in their blood. Two of them had alcohol. The last murder that Samuel Little would ever commit was in 2005. Samuel met Nancy Carol Stevens and, according to investigators, struck up a relationship with him and felt comfortable getting into the RV with him. Samuel Little provided details that only the killer would know. He told detectives that he was traveling in his RV with Nancy when he decided to kill her in a Walmart parking lot in Tupelo, Mississippi. He dumped her body on the side of the road. Nancy's body was found in Lee County, and the autopsy revealed she had been strangled to death. After the end of Samuel Little's mass killing career, he continued committing petty crimes, such as DUI, burglary, larceny, theft, and shoplifting. Between the months of May and August of 2007, Samuel was arrested for possession of cocaine in Los Angeles. He pled guilty and was sentenced to a drug diversion program, but failed to attend or appear in court. The judge issued a bench warrant, but it was non-extraditable, meaning this warrant couldn't be used across state lines. Police encountered Samuel Little numerous times and were aware of his warrant, but were unable to do anything about it. In April of 2012, Detective Mitzi Roberts was assigned to the cold case homicide unit in Los Angeles. She first noticed the huge similarities between the Alfred, Nelson, and Apodica cases. All of their causes of death were manual strangulation, and they had all been beaten prior to their murder. The bodies of the victims had all been found within a five-mile radius of each other. In that same month, Detective Roberts began looking into the background of Samuel Little. She found out that Samuel had been living in the South Los Angeles area between 1987 and 1989 during all of the victims' deaths. 
Mitzi also discovered that Samuel was currently in custody in Kentucky, so she sent detectives there to interview and obtain an oral swabs from him. She then compared the DNA from Samuel and the DNA found on the victim's bodies. It was a match. During the initial interviewing process, Samuel bragged about being a middleweight prize boxer to the detectives. He also confirmed that he had been living in the San Diego and South Central Los Angeles areas during the years of 1987 to 1990. When the detectives showed Samuel pictures of Nelson and Apodica, he said he had never seen them in his life, and he was pretty adamant about it. This was just one of the lines that Samuel Little would regurgitate over and over to claim innocence. In September 2014, Samuel Little went to trial for the murders of Carol Alford, Audrey Nelson, and Guadalupe Apodica. At this time, Samuel was 74 years old. During the trial, he claimed he was innocent. He would interrupt grieving family members of the victims who were giving statements to say he didn't kill anyone. In Samuel Little's own statement, he claimed that he had been convicted on lies from witnesses coached by liars and hoped he would get a new trial. He also said, quote, The obsession with labeling me a serial killer without any proof was illegal lynching. At one point, Samuel's defense lawyer told him to shut up after he kept exchanging words with the son of one of the victims during a statement. Tony Zambrano, the son of Guadalupe Apatica, said, quote, You took something very dear to me. You messed up big time. You hurt my mom. Samuel interrupted Tony and said, quote, I didn't do nothing to your mom. However, the wheelchair-bound, now decrepit man wasn't fooling anyone any longer. This was a decade of advanced sciences, particularly in DNA evidence, and Samuel Little's DNA linked him to all three of the murders. Samuel had gotten away with too many murders, and his huge ego led him to believe he would slither away from another trial unscathed. Two jurors who attended the sentencing said that the evidence against him was so overwhelming it was easy to reach the guilty verdict in just two hours. Samuel Little was found guilty of three counts of first-degree murder and sentenced to three consecutive life terms, without the possibility of parole. After his sentence, he screamed, quote, I didn't do it. He was wheeled out of the courtroom and families of the victims clapped. Samuel responded by lifting his fist into the air. It wasn't until the year 2018, when Samuel was 78 years old, that his claims of innocence would diminish. Texas Ranger James Holland began interviewing Samuel, along with the help of FBI analysts Chrissy Palazzolo and Angela Williams. Samuel Little was being held at a California prison when James decided to visit him in the hopes of solving the 1994 murder of Denise Brothers. James gained the trust of Samuel, leading him to confess to Denise's murder and many more in exchange for being transferred out of L.A. County Prison. Denise's body was found in Odessa, Texas, a month after she was reported missing on February 2, 1994, in the parking lot of a Coca-Cola bottling facility. It was also less than a mile from where she had last been seen. An employee stumbled upon her body and initially thought she was a mannequin doll. Denise was partially nude and decomposing. An autopsy revealed that she had been strangled to death. Denise's son, who was only 14 years old, was brought to her body and forced to identify her as his mother. In an interview with The Cut, Samuel Little recalled the day he murdered Denise Brothers in grave detail. Samuel picked up Denise, a sex worker at the time, in his white Cadillac. 
He told her he was an artist and that he could, quote, draw her so pretty like Van Gogh. He also told Denise that she was beautiful and that he loved her. Samuel Little apparently told all his victims that he loved them. He pulled into an alley with Denise, and as she prepared to give Samuel a blowjob, he grabbed her by the throat and tossed her over the back seat like a doll. He then strangled her to death with one hand and masturbated with the other. As disturbing as that sounds, imagine that story again and again until you get to 93, the number of victims he killed. Killing was synonymous with sex for Samuel Little, so he made the process as, quote, long and slow as possible. He would play a sick game with them, letting them black out and come to numerous times before letting them take their final breath. Samuel said, quote, I wanted their helplessness. All I ever wanted was for them to cry in my arms. Samuel pled guilty and received another life sentence on top of the three he already had on December 13th, 2018. Over the years, detectives failed to get Samuel Little to admit he was involved in any cold cases, much less the cases he was spending three life sentences for. James Holland, however, was able to retrieve Samuel's darkest, well-kept secrets over the course of 16 months and 650 hours of interviews. Samuel confessed to the strangulation of 93 women across the country over the span of four decades, making him one of the most prolific serial killers in American history. James did whatever he could to get this critical information out of Samuel, which included the interviews behaving more like casual conversations and storytellings. Their conversations were held over grits, Dr. Pepper, and Brahms milkshakes. Whatever Samuel desired, and whatever James could provide to get the killers to confess. James would play Samuel's ego, allowing the killer to think he was the one in control. James said, quote, I know you're a powerful man, a powerful man in the mind. Samuel replied, quote, if you think so, while laughing. Because most of Samuel Little's murders occurred before modern forensic science, detectives had to work with any clues they could find, no matter how small. That included a Western Union moneygram from 1982, a witness who spotted a yellow Eldorado, and a sex worker's last meal of carrots. James Holland and other detectives also had to work at a rapid pace, because the longer it took solving these cases, the more and more Samuel Little's health and memory deteriorated. Although Samuel's memory of what his victims were wearing or the date they were killed weren't entirely accurate, he kept a vast amount of details with him for all those years. The FBI stated, quote, He remembers where he was and what car he was driving. He draws pictures of many of the women he killed. Samuel Little drew around 50 portraits of women he had murdered. Authorities stated, quote, We are hoping that someone, family member, former neighbor, friend, might recognize the victim and provide the crucial clue in helping authorities make an identification. In 2018, the death of 34-year-old Martha Cunningham was confirmed to be one of Samuel Little's victims. Martha was found on January 18, 1975, in Knoxville, Tennessee, in a wooded area off Oglesby Lane. Authorities attributed her death to natural causes, despite Martha being nude from the waist down and covered in bruises. There's no way in hell that the police thought Martha's death was from natural causes, and the reality is, she was a black woman in the 1970s, and the police didn't want to use the resources on her case. Martha's death remained a mystery for decades until James Holland got Samuel Little to confess. 
Because of the efforts of James Holland and other investigators, they were able to close 50 cold cases in a year, cases that had remained cold for decades until 2018 to 2019. What was massive help to officially closing these cold cases was Samuel Little's incredible photographic memory. James Holland said the first thing he picked on through the interviews was how wicked smart he was. James called Samuel a genius due to his amazing photographic memory and attention to details. Ranger James also claims that nothing Samuel Little has ever said has been proven wrong or false. After James discovered that Samuel Little liked to draw and sketch, he gifted Samuel art supplies. Those 50-plus sketches of his victims now cover the walls of Holland's office. Samuel left eerie notes on some of the portraits of his victims, such as, Sam killed me, but I loved him, tall girl by the highway, and girl in a strip joint. So how was Samuel Little able to recall the tiniest details about his victims? A&E Real Crime got an interview with the specialist, Levin, an author of 31 books explaining serial killers and their memories of victims, explained why they're able to remember so much. He said, quote, To a serial killer, his crimes are often his greatest accomplishments in life. If you understand that, you understand why he might remember the details of his crime. According to Levin, serial killers remember these details because they want to relive their crimes over and over and over again. When asked what serial killers think of their victims, Levin replied that they, quote, tend to regard their victims as subhuman, as existing at the level of inferior animals rather than human beings. In a sense, they go big game hunting for the thrill. Levin claims that the only reason Samuel Little even helped close the cold cases was not to bring closure to their families, but because, quote, he probably figured, if I can't do it, at least I can draw it. In an interview with The Cut, Samuel said, quote, I live in my mind now, with my babies, in my drawings. The only things I was ever good at was drawing and fighting. When the interviewer asked how it felt to kill them, Samuel exclaimed, quote, it felt like heaven, felt like being in bed with Marilyn Monroe. Samuel also detailed why he got away with so many murders. He said, quote, I never killed no senators or governors or fancy New York journalists, nothing like that. I killed you, it'd be all over the news the next day. I stayed in the ghettos. And the sad reality is that Sam was right. The victims he chose is the reason he was able to keep on for so long. What's even worse is now that Samuel Little has died, he can no longer make drawings, give interviews, and give any new information to authorities. Detectives needed that information to continue down the path of closing the cold cases they thought Samuel had something to do with. Some families of the victims may never know who killed them, or if they're even dead at all. Some victims may never even be identified or their bodies found. So that's the story of Samuel Little, the most prolific serial killer in American history. If you want to dive deeper into Samuel Little's story, you can always click one of the sources that I've linked below. Thank you so much for watching.